You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. More than two years that I was uh, in Every Nation Midrand, I thank God that all sins are forgiven. <laughs> Praise God. I was so overwhelmed this morning when I met some of the key leaders, some of the most special people in this church. You know, storming the airport. What are you about? Eight, ten of us? Yeah. 5 a.m. I was just expecting the commander. I thought once the grand commander is on ground. I didn't expect to see any lady. <laughs> Praise God. And I said to myself, this is a militant church. This is a militant church. And, you know, when I'm excited, when I see people that excite me, I better just reserve my comment. Because my wife is not here to help me to stay on course. But she sends her love. She's going to be here very soon. As a matter of fact, it's a deal that is better she comes all by herself. You know, because she carries some stuff that I don't carry. And uh, if she comes and just sit down, then we're going to cheat ourselves. So, when I get back, she should be finding time just to come and be with you guys. Our hearts always with you. Uh, I think this is, this is one of the uh, set of people that we can say we love the most on planet Earth. And we can't explain the reason for the love. And that shows it's from God. If you can give a reason why you love, then you have an agenda. Praise God. So we bring love from Lagos. We bring love from all the brethren, from all our churches and uh, friends. And, and I'm sure some of the people joining us now across the globe. It's faith-to-faith conference. We have so much to feast upon this period. And uh, as we feast in the presence of God, you are going to feel some things cracking, some yoke breaking. Whatever was constraining you before, you are going to discover that you will gain supernatural instant weights. What used to fit and cage you before will no longer fit. This is the mountain of the house of the Lord. Where... A feast of fat things are prepared. And the Holy Spirit himself will be feeding your spirit. Your soul will be expanding. The reality that dwells within you and before you will increase. And you're going to see that your mentality will be expanded. Once these things happen, your destiny appreciates. So I'm actually here to do one job to ensure that our collective destiny and our individual destiny appreciates. You know, some people think destiny is static. And you've heard about the doctrine of predestination. The false aspect of that doctrine is what says what you're going to be what you can be was predetermined, was fixated before you were born, 
and there's nothing you can do about it. That is not true. Of course, God determined what you are going to be. He intended it. He designed it. God knew you before you were formed in the womb. But in the same vein, he gave you part of his nature to determine the degree of the glory of that destiny, the quality of that de destiny, the extent of the scope of the impact of your destiny. God determines that I have a purpose for you to fulfill, but how well, how far you fulfill it is up to you. Praise the Lord. So there's a sense in which your destiny is not static. There's a sense in which your destiny is adjustable. And I love that. And just trust me. You are going to feel an adjustment in your destiny tonight. You can adjust. You can upgrade your destiny. You can expand the scope of your destiny. Never accept that all you're going to be and all you can be is being fixed and there's nothing you can do about it. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest human discovery is that God put in you the ability with a change in your mentality. The ability to determine what reality lies before you and around you. That's the essence of being made in the image of God. God never wanted you to be handicapped, to be helpless, to be at the mercy of situations and circumstances of people. Not even at the mercy of any government. Of course, not the devil. God put something in you that says, if you know my mind, if you discover my power and my purpose, you can go as far as you can as you wish. I love the scripture where Jesus said, You are the lights of the world. A city set on a hill. But who will determine the extent to which your light shines is you. He said, You let your light so shine. So the extent to which it's shining now. It's your choice. The shining of your light is adjustable. You can reduce it. You can brighten it up. And Jesus said, if you want your whole life to be full of light, just be focused. He said, if you are single eyes, if your eyes is sun and single, you are looking at one object right ahead of you. Your whole life will be full of light. But he also says your light can become darkness. But you determine whether you shine or you don't shine. I love that. Jesus said you can be in the kingdom and become the least or the greatest. It's not fixed. It's not fixed. What you become in the kingdom of God is up to you. It's up to you. You know why we're together? There's going to be an extension, an enlargement, 
an upgrade in the quality and the scope of your destiny. And I tell you, we can do it together. That's how to do it. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, if you want to be the chiefest, that's what you do. So it means there's chief, chiefer, chiefest. <laughs> and there's no chief at all. Of course, if you are a chief in the kingdom, you can't be a chief. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, anyone that violates my word and teaches people to do the same will become the least. Is that right? Anyone that is committed to keeping my word and teaching people to do the same will be among the greatest. That's profound. So he's just saying to you, it's a level playing ground. I love that. It's a level playing ground. And no one can outplay you. Praise the Lord. So we can go on with that. But I just wanted to know and have a sense that there is still room for the expansion and the improvement of your destiny. You haven't exhausted. You haven't even exploited it. Because there have been some wrong religious mentality that says your limit is decided. And you can't go beyond that. I'm sure a lot of you are so into scriptures. And there are scriptures that will be popping up now. Wow, that's true. I didn't think about it, but that is true. You know, Jesus said, the, the first can become the last. And the last can become the first. It's not fixed. <laughs> there is no permanent position in the kingdom. Praise God. We all start little. You can choose to remain little. Or you can choose to end big. Why don't you just thank the Lord? Let's worship the Lord. That for the fact that your destiny is adjustable. The journey before you can be improved upon. You can determine the next destination. You can chart your course. You can decide how the journey of your life is going to be. And where you are going to end up. It's your choice. And no one can enforce that on you. Destiny has to do with the things that lie ahead of you and where you eventually end. Lift up your hand and just speak in the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I'm determining a greater destiny, a more glorious destiny. Yes, Lord, I choose an upgrade. I choose an expansion. I choose an improvement in the quality of my eternal destiny. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Alright, that's just a warm-up. The message in this first night of Faith to Faith Conference is what I titled Upgraded Kingdom Mentality and Contemporary Human Crisis. Well, I have to bring out my notes after I came from the airport to show your senior pastors. Because we sat now we're gisting, and I heard there had been something about upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. And we don't know who is spying on who. So I, I have to like almost swear an oath. And you know, weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me two weeks ago, days ago, and some of them, the time is there. But somehow, it seems we've been on the same channel. And if you turn to the same channel, it doesn't matter where you are on earth, you receive the same images, isn't it? It's one spirit. There is one spirit. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one body. <laughs> isn't that? Just one. We just need to plug in. So, we're dealing with upgraded kingdom mentality. Versus contemporary human crisis. And I want to first talk about contemporary human crisis. I want to say some things which I believe you will, you will be better off lecturing me about those stuff. Because I think you're more informed. Contemporary human crisis defies Every effort and every solution from the world, from the earthly realm, because the origin of human crisis is not from the earthly realm. It's not from the system of the world, including your crisis. I want to repeat, in case you want to write it down. One reality about contemporary human crisis. The crisis facing us, confronting us. The, the crisis challenging us. The crisis we've been struggling in the, in the midst of. The crisis we've been trying to break through and break free from. One thing about the crisis of humanity, whether at a personal level, at a national level, or at a global level, human crisis defies. Solution from the earthly realm. To think otherwise is to want to waste a whole lot of your time before you wake up and face reality. Some people spend their whole life believing that they can find out on earth and from, you know, the, the, the realm of, of, of nature and just find out from the system of the earth and the, the human uh, innovation and devices, something that will fix the problem of the world. Whether it's political, financial, health problem, name them. Social problem. The crisis of humanity did not start with man. Was not originated by man. Did not start from the system of the earth. It transcends humanity. It transcends this world. And in like manner, the solution 
cannot come. I mean, it has to come from a different realm. If you get this, then we're ready to upgrade our destiny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't need to study too much. If you just listen to news, either around your global news, listen to politicians, just listen to what politicians say. Whether they're in power or they're trying to get to power. Listen to what religious people say. And religious people are not necessarily spiritual people. You can be spiritual and not religious. And you can be religious and not spiritual. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was spiritual. He was not religious. He didn't follow religious rituals. As a matter of fact, he violated almost all religious rule there was. But he was godly and spiritual. Religious extremists are very religious. But they are not spiritual. They are not godly. God is, a, God is spirit. If you are godly, you be spiritual. But you can be religious and be satanic. Because Satan is very religious. Okay? <laughs> Satan, I think, is actually the originator of uh, human religion. He is very religious. As my, I, I checked something today. I, I saw something in the hotel. And uh, I have never seen it before. That's how I knew you guys have been praying. You know, when you start seeing what you haven't seen before, from scriptures you have studied and preached before, then you know some people are they're fine-tuning some things. When the Bible says, if you have all knowledge and have all faith and can prophesy and can speak every language, praise God, can even give yourself to be burnt and not have God's kind of love, you are nothing. So I quickly thought, who has all knowledge and all faith and don't have the love of God? And the only thing to say, Lucifer. He has all knowledge. He knows prophecies. He prophesies. He's a prophetic teacher. You know, Lucifer. <laughs> he, he's very zealous. He's very passionate. And he can program people to burn themselves, to bomb themselves, to go on suicide mission without love. Right? So I, I think Satan is very religious. Satan is very religious. So human problems came from a different realm. There's a scripture that says it in a very simple way. That we don't pay attention to. First Peter chapter 4. Or let's go to chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. Human crisis. Whether political. Whatever form. In any. Place. At any level. 
personal, global, national, did not come from the realm of man. This scripture says, be sober. Be sober means be sound-minded. Uh, if you have amplified version, you know, when we read the first time, be sober, we thought it means to walk gently, you know. It just means be well balanced, be temperate, be sober of mind, be vigilant, let's be watchful, and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion. He's like, he's not a roaring lion. In fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and to devour. Christ says that he's not visible. He sees you, but except you become sober and vigilant, you may not see him. And an enemy that sees you and you don't see has a territorial advantage. <laughs> he's not powerful. He's not a lion, but he operates like a lion. Praise the Lord. He's not seeking who to help. Is he seeking who to hurt? Who to devour? Is that right? Now, the scripture is telling you here that the problem you are seeing around that consume people are not necessarily from people. Including the trouble that people are causing. There's someone activating it. Sudden destruction, disaster, confusion that make people blame God. There's someone going about in a sneaky way causing some crisis. Feeding on people. Feeds on their mind. Feed on their relationship. Feed on their health. Feed on everything. And except you can track, you may not get it. Unfortunately, most people that are trying to solve human crisis are not aware of this. To the advantage of this man, most people don't even believe he exists. And you know, Satan is so secure. He doesn't have identity crisis. He loves it if you don't recognize him. As a matter of fact, it gives him more leverage. By the time you recognize him and you submit to him and you submit, okay, you go to another level. But he thrives on your ignorance. When the Bible calls the devil the ruler of darkness, the darkness he rules primarily is your ignorance. That's why when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Is that right? So, he's happy. That you don't know he exists. It's of advantage to the devil that you don't believe he exists. And nobody needs to argue that with you. The problem is, you'll be facing problems you can never sort out. But that's not where I'm going. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Resist him. Steadfast. In the faith. Now, to operate in the faith is to operate with your sixth sense. 
Faith is above all the five senses. It's beyond what you see, what you hear, what you touch, what you taste, what you smell. Faith is you are hearing from a different source, from a control tower. And you are implementing what you are hearing or what you are seeing. And it is only from that invisible dimension you can resist him. He's not even visible. So you can't use vis visible effort and physical effort to resist him. So if you don't have faith that, you know, it is possible, he exists, I can overcome him, then you cannot even do that. Resist him steadfast in faith. But look at the next line. I remember years ago we did this in Lively Stone in Cape Town. We're just talking about knowing and knowing and knowing. Resist him, that guy that's like a lion, steadfast in faith, the one consuming people and looking for who to consume. If you are resisting him steadfast in faith, there must be a knowing. There's something you have to know. Come on, help me tell somebody, I need some knowing. <laughs> Oh, it tells someone there. I need to get some knowing. Some knowing stuff. Knowing. You can't resist him beyond what you know. That's why he takes advantage of your ignorance. How you resist him depends on what you know. Because, as a matter of fact, your faith depends on your knowledge. That's why Paul said, I was. Doing things in ignorance and unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief are two sides of a coin. Did you get the point? You can't resist in faith if there is no knowing. Did you get the point? So resisting in faith, knowing that the same suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood or the brethren in the world. Now, Something here is this. Your crisis, the Bible says, is not personal. It's global. I need to say that again. Whatever crisis you're facing is not personal. It's global. If you don't know that, you're going to settle with the mentality of I, myself, and me alone. Is going through this. No one has ever gone through this. No one can survive this. Then you come up with the question, why me? Why me? Life is not fair. Isn't that? You won't even try because you've convinced yourself no one has ever faced this. I call it the illusion that your battle is strange. It's an illusion. Because there is nothing new under the earth. There is no temptation that has ever taken you that is not common to men. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think verse 13. Nothing tries you. Nothing confronts you that has not confronted people and people have conquered those things. And if they have conquered them, you have a template for conquering. But if you already have a mentality which you have to change and upgrade, that what I'm facing, no one ever faces it. Someone lied to you. You are in ignorance. 
And that guy is going to rule in that ignorance. Hello. Where are Midran people? <laughs> right. Now listen. <laughs> when anything confronts you, there are certain things you tell yourself. It's not personal. It's global. I'm not in this alone. And according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you should tell every crisis, every challenge, you are common. You're common. You're common. You're common. You might not have figured out how you're going to deal with it. That is psychological aspect of the warfare. Start telling that opponent of a crisis. You are common. People defeated you before you came here. And I'm going to defeat you. As a matter of fact, you are a walkover. Because I have a big brother that have run over you and trampled you. I'm going to mess you up. And you're going to regret you came to me. It is called commonize your crisis. Commonize it. Commonize it. Don't idolize it. You're going to rise up from here with a tough-minded mentality. So you tell your problem you are common. And God is faithful. So you are balancing an equation. Because part of the reason the crisis came and that devourer came is to convince you God is not faithful. He specializes in lying against God. If God is faithful, why hasn't this happened? If God is faithful, why hasn't that happened? You prayed about this. You gave, you sow seed. You gave tithe. You pray, you fasted. You made confession. The pro why hasn't this, why hasn't that happened? God is not faithful. That's indirect speech. Take a different position and say, I may not understand what is going on. But problem, you are come on, and my God is faithful. Come on now. Job, Job said, even if I die, I know my Redeemer living. Out of this place, I will still see his glory. God is faithful. He does not allow me to be tempted beyond what I can bear. That's another point. How do you know this is common? Well, if it's not common, God won't let it come to me. If I can't handle it, that listen, nothing is out of control. Satan is not on the loose that he can just do what he likes whenever he chooses. He doesn't have such authority. You go back and read Job. He needed to go take permission indirectly to touch anything Job had. And God granted the permission because God knew how it's going to end. God knew Job, Job can handle it. Job will not give up. He, will, he has a right mentality. He will still worship me. He will believe I'm faithful. And at the end of it, he's going to come out better and greater. So he said, you go, but there is a limit.
terms and conditions. Thank you. So you can't go beyond it. If you're going to go beyond that, don't go. So it's not on the loose. God does not allow, listen please. God does not allow what you can't handle face you. Which means most of the time you underrate yourself. You underrate yourself. God said, I know you are more than this. Come on now. Come on now. I said, but I can't. I can't. God said, but I know what I put in you. You just need to adjust your mind. Trust me. I can't allow something come your way that you can't handle. Figure it out. And then tell yourself there is a way out. Because in every temptation, God makes a way. A way of escape. If you don't believe there is a way, you won't even look for the way. You won't search for it. You have to always tell yourself, regardless of how confusing the situation is, there is a way. How do you know? Because God is in charge. Amen? He, if there is no way, he will make way. So there is a way. Whether the way is being made or it's going to be made, is it that going to be revealed or going to be constructed? But there's a way. Now, this is, this is the mind of faith. It is with this mind you can resist the devil. Knowing that all your brethren across the world are facing one type of crisis or the other. Everybody believes mine is the toughest. But you just miss it because you've not listened to mine. <laughs> yeah, it's like in my country. Everybody believes, you know, the witches in my own village and the witches where I'm planting my church and the power of darkness, that's the strongest place of concentration. That, that, that's where you have the most wicked principalities and power. I say, but you didn't check mine. Praise the Lord. Everybody believes no one is facing what I'm facing. And that's the beginning of defeat. That's the beginning of defeat. The Bible says the things that happened to people before were written for our learning. So that we can have faith and consolation. The things that happened to people were written and documented. Especially for those of us upon whom the consummation of the ages have come. Because we're in a time that things will hit you left, right, and center and you will conclude no one will ever go through this and remain in church. Even the pastor Say, so let's face it, we are all human beings. Human and he's there doing pastor because he doesn't know what I'm facing. So part of what I saw in first Corinthians, I mean first Peter, is that my personal problem is actually global. And I need to say something. Stop taking your problem personal. If you are a child of God, when people 
attack you. The devil attacks you directly or he uses people or situational circumstances. Help me tell someone, don't take it personal. Don't take your problem personal. Your problem, your, your, your battles are not personal. The delay you are facing is not a personal issue. It's not because of your fault or because you are not righteous enough or because of what you did in the past. There are people that did worse things and they're having a good ride. So there's something you're missing. Now listen to this. In John 16, Jesus tried to prepare our minds about our crisis. Don't lose track. I'm saying solution does not come from the realm of normal human reasoning, from the earthly realm, from the worldly perspective. You have to come from another dimension. Listen to Jesus in John 16 verse 1. Listen to the Lord Jesus. John 16 verse 1. And we have it on the screen. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. That you should not fall away from me. So, listen, it's important you are hearing this tonight. And I want you to congratulate yourself and congratulate your neighbor for hearing what you are hearing tonight. Jesus says, listen, whether, whether you are stable or you stumble, depends on what you hear. Just miss that. Okay, tell someone whether you stumble or you are stable. It's a function of what you hear. So Jesus, I'm talking to you because I want you to be stable. I don't want you to stumble. Did you get the point? He says, I'm saying these things to you so that you will not be made to stumble. People can make you stumble. Satan can make you stumble. Your mind can make you stumble. But Jesus, I need to talk to you. So regardless of what faces you, you will not stumble. Which means you'll be stable in your mind. Okay, look at verse 2. What are the things he said? Listen to this. They will put you out of synagogues. Out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whosoever is killing you we think that he offers God service. No, excuse me. When someone is killing you and say, I'm killing you on behalf of God. God anoint me to kill you. To show that he's great. Now, if you don't know that God, and you haven't heard from the Son of God, you will stumble. And Jesus says it's going to happen. Isn't it happening all over the world? But he says, when the worst is happening, I want you to be stable. That's the upgraded kingdom mentality you need in the face of global crisis. That people may do the worst. I still have the best chance to show the glory of my God. This is the way I say it to my team. Always expect the best. But be prepared for the worst. Don't, don't expect the worst. Expect the best. That's been positive. But be prepared for the worst. In case the worst happens on the way to the best, 
Don't be knocked down. Did you get that? Come on, let's say it together. Say, I'm expecting the best. But I'm prepared on the way to getting the best to survive the worst. To overcome the worst. That's when you sit down like Paul. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. And ask the question, what can separate me? from? He's saying, he's saying, I expect things to end well. But in the interim, on the way to the best, before my God shows up, I want to appraise the situation. Let me check the worst that my enemy can do. What can overcome me? My conviction, my affection, my passion. What can separate me? What can disconnect me? And he started measuring them one after the other. If you read Romans chapter 8, 32 down, he says, is it death? Is it nakedness? Is it hunger? Is it sword? Is it these angels, principalities, power? He said, no, 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 no. In all this, not if there are no this. In the midst of all this, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loves us. And he said, we are convinced. Then he gives the list again. That's the way to live. That's kingdom mentality. If he doesn't save us, we expect him to save us from the fire. But if he doesn't save us from the fire, we're prepared. So prepare for, because people can do the worst. If it meets you unaware, your strength is little. You are not well informed. Including church people. Some church people can treat you the worst way that you don't deserve. Let that throw you off. So, get back to John 16. He says, they will kill you and think they are serving God. 16 verse 3 now. 16 verse 3. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father, nor me. So the people saying, God sent me to kill you. They don't know the Father. Did you get the point? People mistreating you. And they tell you, I'm treating you badly because you don't know God, because you are not close to God. Jesus said, the reason they do that, they don't know me. So if you know that they don't know me, you will know they are lying. So it shouldn't bother you. You need to get that. <laughs> so if I treat you bad, and I said because the anointing of God says I should slap you, then you should know I don't know God. <laughs> Just overlook my ignorance. <laughs> you know Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's it. Because the people killing him thought they were serving God. They were defending the cause of God. That this man is going to spoil our religion. Kill him. So, Father, you know they don't know you. I know they don't know you. <laughs> so why I endure the worst? I expect the best, which is resurrection. 
Praise the Lord. Come on, speak in tongues if you can speak in tongues. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ah, Global crisis will no longer cross you. Let me add this point. Let me add this point. The reason why contemporary human and global crisis, which include your personal problems, the reason why they defy human solution is because they are not just global. They are cosmic in nature. The source of the crisis going on in families, with children, with youth, in marriages, with spouses, is somebody listening? <laughs> with the governments of the world, including the government of the best of places, the source of it is cosmic. As a matter of fact, it's transcosmic in nature. There are simple scriptures that say that. That's what you should have gotten this fact from those scriptures. Ephesians 6.12 We are wrestling. We are in a battle. But not against flesh and blood. If look at that. We are dealing with principalities. Plural. We are dealing with powers. The struggle is against, it's, it's not against an individual. It's not against the president. It's not against the governor or the mayor. It's not against your boss in the office. It's not against your husband or your wife. Come on now, get it. It's not against that person in the church. It's not against that person hindering your, your, your tender and your deal and your contract, what have you. Most of the time you are dealing with principalities. When it's more than one person and you think it's just one person. Remember Samson. Samson thought he was dealing with one lady called Delicate, Delilah. And he says, she's so delicate I can break her. But Delilah was wired. Connected with the lords, the principalities of the Philistines. They were not visible, but she was visible. Samson was heavily anointed, but on that occasion, he didn't get the revelation. That are not dealing with flesh and blood. So he says, I'll just use her flesh. Just to gratify my feelings. Yes, you know, just, it's, not, it's not sin, it's not crime, it's not fornication, it's fun. You know, fun, just cut off the negation. It's too long. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool when you, you know. You know, scriptures make things sound bad. Like adultery. It's too long. You know, so we went out together. <laughs> okay, come back. Delilah. Delilah was being remotely controlled 
by rulers of territories. Sponsors. Samson thought is just her. That's why he finished the way he finished. If Samson knew, he wouldn't have messed with her. That's what the Bible says. If a man commits adultery, he lacks sense. He lacks, as a matter of fact, he lacks understanding. But a better translation says he lacks a heart. So, principalities, powers, rulers. And you say, where are they? It's just my next door neighbor. No. It's more than that. It's just one guy in that office. He's a puppet. There are puppeteers. You are wrestling against the rulers of the darkness. The dark places, the, the things going on in places that you are ignorant of. There are people ruling there. So what confronts you is activated from places you are ignorant of. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is not a religious scripture. This is a military scripture. <laughs> it's telling you there are people that have that are lying wait. What do you call it now? They lay in ambush that you're not aware of. So the crisis is not locational and it's not personal. I love the fact that Jesus said, whatever they do against you, even in your business, is not because of you. It's because of me. So don't take it personal. <laughs> so whatever the devil does, it's not because of you. It's because he hates me. And you should count it privilege that you have been attacked because of me. So you are in good company. Come on now, put your hands together for the Lord. You are in good company. Read it. It's in John 15. He said, if they have loved me, they will have loved you. And you know, identifying with Jesus caused you some crisis you didn't have before. The people that used to help you before are hurting you now. That's a good place to be. So it's not personal, it's not local, it's both global and cosmic. Now, why have I said all this? Don't use a local human mentality. Don't walk by sight. Don't give a natural approach to your crisis. Don't think about your crisis the way people think. Do you know people that weep over their problems? They are on the same wavelength. Just listen to what people are saying when they are weeping over their problems. Whether it's in the village or in the city, they say the same thing. Why me? I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. It's better for me to die. They're saying the same thing. 
and it reveals your mentality. Is it that you're taking it personal? Or you think it's a local matter? Or you think there's no reason, there's no basis why what is happening should happen? Whereas there are reasons and every reason why you should face what you're facing. Because if you don't do exam in a, in a standard institution, you can't make progress. Your crises are exams. And the higher you're going, the tougher the exam becomes, right? So you can't set out that I want to attain to the highest level. I want to become a doctor. And you don't want to go through school of medicine. You don't want those exams, those tough ones. You want to avoid them. You say, why me? That's a challenge. Why me? I mean, I know guys like me, they're just having fun. Well, because of where you're going, what you want to become, there's every reason why you should go through that. That's the reason for your crisis. There's... When you know the reason, you will say, yeah, 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 it's, it's justified, it's right. It has to happen. Because if this thing don't happen, that cannot be. You know, the Bible says we go from strength to what? To strength. And we are changed from glory to what? Okay, so, we, every time you appear before God, you go from strength to strength. You are changed from glory to glory. Many years ago, God told me, let me give you the real meaning of the toe, T-O. You know about strength, toe, strength. You know about glory, level glory, the other level glory. You don't know the T-O. Between two strength and between two glory, there is what? T-O. Total opposition. It's not Total obstruction, total position is in between two glory. If you are going to make it to the other glory, you have to be ready. You are like, you are like a, a champion that wants to take the next battle to remain. Or you are challenging a champion to become the real champion. Oh, there's something in between. It's total opposition. It's total obstruction. So now do you realize that your crises are justifiable? They make sense. Thank you. Come on, put your hands together. They make sense. They make sense. Once they make sense, you can no longer be frustrated. They can't frustrate. What was frustrating you before is that it doesn't make sense. The other lady is not going through what I'm going through. Yeah, it's not going to where you're going. It's not ready for your next glory. So she doesn't need the total opposition. That's why you need an upgraded mentality. Come on, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Let's see. Oh. I don't have enough. Pastor Eric, give me a note. All right, let's see where we stop tonight. That's a good introduction. Is that good for you? I bet you this is just grand preparation. 
Yeah, we, we're just clearing the ground. The Lord told me, we need to sort out our minds concerning our crisis. Then tomorrow, the real deal can start. And it's, I'm not bragging. It's, it's real. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right, so every crisis you face and every crisis going on around us, at personal, at family, at church level, business level, national level, are you listening? Global level, whatever. Every crisis needs an intervention from a higher dimension. That's the mentality you need. I'm trying to use that to wind up. Once you get this, no crisis will cross you. See, the mistake you make is when you see people like Pastor Eric, Pastor Oba, and the leaders, and people like us, you know, they don't have no crisis. God will spare them. Now, you, can't be, you can't remain a champion <laughs> if you are not taking on challengers and putting them where they belong. Either you're going to become a champion, you need to challenge the champion. If you become a champion, to remain a champion, you have to keep facing challenges. Is that right? So the, the stuff you are made of will determine how you take those stuff. Those challenges. And real champions, either potential one or real one, they, they know how to take the punches and act like nothing happened. That's what we're talking about. You don't, you, don't want, you don't want to go through what some of us face. What some of us go through. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You don't want to face some of those challenges. And I don't want to bug you with details. Yeah. I got to a point now I realized that spiritual warfare is meant to be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Doctor, they are not agreeing with me. Oh, Lord. Okay. Let me talk to you. Do, do you, have you. Have you watched some of these American young uh, fighters that fly their jet, bomber plane, their jets, F-16, whatever? They're young guys. Some of them, they're early 20s. For them, it's fun. You don't see old people flying those planes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I learned that when they withdraw them from the heat of battle and they get back home, a lot of them enter depression. Well, life there is too boring, it's too normal. They want action. I remember during the first Gulf War, some young American guy, I'd like to get those pictures and, you know, just, just for fun. Some young American soldiers were writing on their missile that their, their jets would be dropping. They say, greeting from President Bush. 
and they love it. Of course, you remember when, when they got uh, Saddam Hussein from the pit. And he said, I'm the president of Iraq. And they said, well, greetings from Bush, but you have to come with us. <laughs> Listen, when you have proficiency, when you have capacity and you develop skill, battle become fun. Battle become fun. So, I've, I've come to realize that spiritual warfare is meant to be fun. And it's going to become fun for you. By the time the faith to faith conference is over, warfare will no longer be a phobia for you. Alright, because you responded, let me give you something free of charge. Pay for the rest, don't pay for this. This is free of charge. Listen to this. In kingdom mentality, when you get it right, you don't fight the battle. You are a spectator. So what is not fun in being a spectator? Why do you watch sports? It's fun. Even when, The hotter the better, isn't it? The tougher the better. Ah, yeah. That's my God. In, in real kingdom warfare, you are a spectator. You are not the fighter. That's the truth. You shall hold your peace. And I shall fight for you. Be still. And know I am God. Isn't that so? Jesus said to Peter, put back your sword. You think if we're really going to fight, I can't call for 12 legion reinforcement. One legion is made of 6,000 minimum. He said, I can call for 12. And we will just be watching. Elisha did that. He said, those who are with us, they are more than them. So he said, Lord, let my servant watch. He's getting jittery now. He has a phobia for warfare because he doesn't know that we don't fight. We just give commands. All right, all right, all right, all right, listen. This is the read. This is for you. Let's trust me. This is for you. Anil, are you there? You're getting this. This is for you. This is for you. I told you this morning. Psalm 103, verse 20. Yeah, you know the beginning of Psalm 103. You don't go down. <laughs> Bless the Lord of my soul. I forget none of his benefit. He forgives all your iniquity. That's the beginning. It gets sweeter and stronger and deeper as you go. So I want to lead you down to where you have never gone. Verse 20. I will deal with verse 19 in the course of the meeting. Not tonight. But verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels. So you can command angels to bless God. Once what you are telling them to do is the will of God. If you say, bless me, you, his angel, they can't answer you. But if you ask them, bless the Lord, they say, oh, that's what we're meant for. Oh, you must know our head of government. That's why you're telling us. So you can actually be like a choir leader to angels. You can wake up and say, come on, you guys, where are you? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, you, his angels, you who excel in strength, the most powerful among angels. 
is the one David was talking to. The one with superlative strength. So I command you now, bless the Lord. You, what do they do? You do his word. Uh-huh. You give heed to the voice of... So, once what you are saying is his word, when they hear the voice of his word in you, they go to action. So, you are not supposed to be fighters in the battle. You are to give voice to his word. And it becomes commands to angels that they cannot resist. Come on, talk to me. Say, I see. Say, I see. Can't you see some? So, shouldn't warfare be fun? Because they've told you, if you're really going to do warfare, you've got to wake up 12 midnight. And you can't sleep. Because witches are not sleeping. You can't sleep. And you got to fight now. And you got to shoot the arrow now. That's not fun. Listen, this is the fun part. This is the way I do it. I only stay awake when we're in the council of warfare with the heavenly kingdom. And that yeah, we're planning. We're strategizing. And it's fun. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, it's fun. All night is strategizing. And once the strategy session is done, you go to sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. Because he that keeps neither sleep nor slumber. So, while you're sleeping, they're gathering. The enemies are gathering. They don't sleep. You should give them sleepless night. They should not be able to sleep because of you. Because they feel you are too much. We don't understand you. We've not been able to break you or bend you. While you are sleeping, they are they, blaming one another. But why didn't you do something? But why didn't you do something? And they had their plans and they are in place. Like the time of Elisha. And you wake up. All they've done throughout the night, you just give a command. Isn't that fun? This is real. Okay, so let's close. Let's close for tonight. What are we talking about before you push me away? <laughs> you guys can push people. Oh, yeah, wow. Uh, yes, go, yeah. You can, <laughs> you can make someone say what he doesn't want to say. I forgot your anointing. All right. Good introduction tonight, right? So you need intervention from a different dimension. That's all, that's, that's, that's all you need to do about warfare. So let's, let's, let's just conclude. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you. Upgraded kingdom mentality. Against contemporary human crisis. Uh, I think the best place to end it tonight is to just take a look, a final look, at the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if there is no solution to human crisis, whether at personal level, 
regional level, local level, national level, global level. If there is no crisis that can, I mean, no solution that can come from the earth realm, you need to bring an intervention from another realm. So those who cannot do that, if they promise a solution, they're just fooling us. You do get the point. So this is how we're going to end. And I tell you, it's exciting to end this way. The reason Jesus is the only one that has answered to every crisis is because he comes from a different realm. See, unknown to you, Jesus did not come to introduce a religion. Every religion starts from the earth, from the world. Did you get the point? Jesus said, I came from above. I came to introduce something different and not religion. But listen carefully. Because the crisis came from another dimension. There was no crisis to the human family until a strange serpent who was a channel, a conduit to an invisible region, an invisible kingdom. Are you listening? The serpent was just a conduit, was just a pipe. Satan entered through. That's how the crisis came. When God came to the scene, he knew there's nothing Adam or anyone born of Adam can do about the crisis. Adam was trying to blame Eve. God said, that's not the point. And God faced the serpent. Now, it's not a serpent. It's the serpent. It's not a serpent. It's not any serpent. It's that old serpent. It's an agent designed from another realm that infiltrated. Right? Then God said, to this happen. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. No more affinity. Because you can only bring crisis, you can't bring solution. And you're going to try to fool them through your affinity that you have solution to cause more complication. Number two, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. Number three, you will bruise the head of her seed. But her seed will bruise, I mean, you will bruise the heel of her seed. But her seed will bruise your head. Now, some equation is here that is so advanced. Number one, to show you the solution of God is mysterious. It does not follow human rationality. Woman has no seed. He's a gynecologist. A woman has egg. The seed is the semen. It should be the sperm that fertilizes the seed. No woman can generate sperm. But God said, there's something that's going to come out of the woman. So that's the mystery. From a, a realm. If your crisis is mysterious, the solution must be mysterious. Every trouble 
beyond all understanding. Needs the peace beyond all understanding. You can't use a peace from the realm of human understanding to deal with a crisis that is beyond human understanding. The serpent was a mystery. Did you get it? It's not among the creature. He was a particular serpent that becomes so subdued, wiser than all other beasts. From where? So God said, okay, Satan, if you can introduce something that is mysterious, I'm introducing something that's mysterious. I'm going to bring out something that cannot be naturally produced in a woman. And this is why don't kill the women because you think they are devils. The devil knew their quality. That's why he came through a woman. God said, well, I put the quality there. I'm coming through also. I'm coming through the same source. So that's a mystery. It took thousands of years. Satan did not understand seed of the woman. Seed of the woman. There is no college of medicine that could teach him. There is no school of magician that could teach him seed of the woman. Seed of the woman. So when they saw Abel was nice behaving, he said, maybe that seed of the woman kill him. He's just doing trial and error. God said, keep making mistakes. I have the seed of the woman. Come on now. And the Bible says, in the fullness of time, Galatians chapter 4, Christ made of a woman. Imagine. How? Isaiah 7.14. A virgin that is still a virgin has not been this virgin. So suddenly come up with pregnancy. Come on. Say mystery. The solution that crosses your crisis will be mysterious to the devil. The same way it has taken you time that you couldn't figure out the source of your crisis. It's going to take the devil eternity to figure out where the solution is coming from. Something unexplainable. I'm telling you, they're going to see you and say, what has happened to you? They're going to say, this was not in you before. Suddenly, a virgin. You go test her, she's still a virgin. But she's pregnant. And the pregnancy is growing. Joseph said, no, she's lying. She slept with somebody, I bet my life. And then Jack come and said, be careful. Nobody, this virgin, I put something in her womb. What I call the seed of the woman is my seed. I donate my seed to become her seed. So what is going to cross your enemy is going to be something God donates and put it in your name. Come on now. We're about to finish. Listen, 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 listen. Don't miss this. Another equation Satan could not balance. Enmity between you and the woman, yes, that's balance. Between your seed and her seed, yes, that's balance. Suddenly now, you have to bruise the heel of the seed. Me, not my seed, bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Did you get it? That's the motion. 
Enmity between you and the woman. Balance. Between your seed and her seed. Balance. Now you, it will take you the head to deal with the heel of the seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman will bruise your head. Then that seed must be mysterious. That seed must be mysterious. God is saying that what will come as a seed of the woman is superior to you, the head. The head of darkness. And so, a child was born. A son was given. The son was not born. There was a child born as a seed. The seed grew and became a son. And the government is upon the soul. And his name is Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. Child, son, mighty God. Son, and his name is also Everlasting Father. Talk to me, say mystery. Ruler of peace. He conquers by peace. He's the God of peace that bruises it under your feet. Now listen, this is the end. Okay, don't push me further. Don't push. Okay, well, we need to go and eat, doctor. These people want to push me on. Now listen, don't miss this. This is the mystery. The solution to our crisis comes from another realm. God revealed it to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king of the golden empire in Daniel chapter 2. He saw the image of all the world empires. His own was golden. Since then, human empire has been deteriorating. But as he saw the image, which he forgot that Daniel had to Go to another realm to bring the vision and bring the interpretation. Nobody on earth, no occultic, no magician, no religion could bring the vision and bring the interpretation. Daniel said we know how to go to another dimension to bring solution. And this is it. This is it. He saw a stone cut without man's hand. That's the solution to the crisis. What is going to smash the image of the crisis that Satan has built on it is a stone cut without man's hand. It's not from human realm. Whether it's at church level, at family level, at your heart level, at your personal level, at financial level, at whatever. What is coming to smash the structure of the devil is not by man's hand. It's by God's hand. When that hand appeared, it appeared to the son of Nebuchadnezzar, a hand writing on the wall. Finish his government. Just a hand. When that stone came, it smashed the feet of the image. And sat it. And then the stone began to grow. And became big, big until it filled the whole earth. And it says, in the days of the king's of this world, in the days of the kingdoms of this world, God by himself, we call a stone, is the precious stone, which is Christ. Now we enter into humanity and shatter everything Satan has raised up and fill and dominate everywhere.
The solution to our crisis is from another realm. That's what Christ represents. And you are part of Christ. You are a member of his body. You are one with him. You are a part of that stone. It's not by might. It's not by strength. It's by my spirit. It's by the invisible hand of God. So never you again say, I don't have any helping hand. I don't know anyone. They don't want to help me out. Help comes from above. Let's rise up. Let's worship the Lord. Let's rise up. Come on, let's rise up. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Upgraded kingdom mentality against contemporary human crisis. Your crisis must be crushed by this new mentality. It's a reality that your solution is coming from a higher realm. Because the crisis did not begin with you. I said to you, it's not just your fault that created the crisis. It's not just your sin that created the crisis. They asked Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parent? He said, not at all. God wants to come from another realm to show his glory. You have This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.